Welcome to Crossroads Connection. This is a show all about having conversations surrounding life, ministry, and culture. I want to say a quick thank you to our friends at The Truth Network for airing this program. And thank you to everybody who are listening right now. It is December. You have made it to December, my friend. And we're always so grateful that you take time out of your day to listen to this program. For more information about Crossroads Fellowship, I want to encourage you to visit crossroads.org. And if you missed any previous episodes this entire year, you can go to crossroads.org radio. Now, listen, this is an incredible month. I love the month of December as it speaks to hope, love, joy, and peace. In fact, I want to encourage you, whether it's virtual or in person, to be sure that you get connected to a church over this Christmas season. Invite people. Once again, we're in this kind of interesting hybrid state right now, and so we want to invite you. If you don't have a church, if you do not have a home church at all, of course, if you have a church, make sure you go there, support them, plug in, serve, and connect. But if you do not have a home church, we want to personally invite you to come check out Crosswoods Fellowship this Christmas season. Join us this Christmas at Crossroads Fellowship for a season filled with love, hope, joy, and peace. There is something for everybody, including Advent kits for kids and families beginning November 29th, the Crossroads Christmas special on December 20th through 22nd, and our Christmas Eve candlelit services on December 23rd and 24th. Find more information at crossroads.org Christmas. Okay, and so for this particular episode today, I want to draw our attention to a message I preached not that long ago out of Acts chapter 2 that I think is so incredibly important for the church to hear. And when I say church, I don't mean just the institution of a church. I mean you listening who are the church body. In Acts chapter 2, it was the beginnings of the early church, and I preached a message that I entitled, The Church That the World Needs. And listen, this world's in trouble. We know that. We see it. We talk about it all the time. And what this world needs is not just not just another church, not just a church building, and not just more programming, but what would happen if our churches were truly mobilized with the Holy Spirit's power that actually went out and actually believed in the God that does miracles, that goes out and believes at what happens when we place God in generosity and unity First, when we go out with sound doctrine and theology, see all these things I just mentioned were found in the early church. And so I want to bring your attention to a message I preached, and I'll be back afterwards to wrap it up. But before we go into that message, here's a quick word from one of our sponsors. Your success as a leader hinges upon buy-in from your teams, clear and consistent communication from you, and strategic delegation. My name's Cheryl Scanlon. C3 Advantage helps you steward your most valuable resource well, improve retention, grow employee engagement, and generate higher team and individual ownership. The success of your organization begins with you and depends on your team. Go deeper as a leader and watch your organization go further. Visit c3advantage.net at c3advantage.net. The world needs a mobilized church that is filled with the Holy Spirit's power. This is what the world needs. The world doesn't just need another church that sits empty on a corner. The world doesn't need just another church that is just doing their own thing. The world needs a church that is mobilized, but not just mobilized with talent or mobilized just with people or mobilized with technology. The world needs a church that is mobilized with the Holy Spirit's power. That this early church, that this early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 41, I'm just going to summarize it here, but in Acts 2, verse 1 to 41, you see the beginnings of this. 
that this church, the early church was gathered together in the upper room. And they're there because Jesus told them to go and wait for his Holy Spirit and wait for the power that was going to come. And they go there and they wait. And sure enough, just like Jesus' words are always true, the Holy Spirit shows up in a huge way and empowers, empowers these believers. But here's something that you got to note. They didn't stay in the upper room. These followers of Jesus, these people that were gathered in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came upon them, it caused them to mobilize. They just didn't sit in the upper room going, wow, how cool is this? How amazing is God? Wow, Jesus must really love me to give me his Holy Spirit. Wow, we can just stay up here and, and we can be safe. We can just enjoy each other's company. In the meantime, there's people right outside the window, right outside the doors that are lost, that don't know Jesus. And church, I can't tell you how much that resonates with my heart today that the church doesn't just sit back and just say, wow, how wonderful is church? Or how great is this service? And, and wow, how great are these programs and these ministries? No, there are people right now, wherever you are, whether you are here in the building or whether you are at home or somewhere else, there are people literally walking right past your door and your window of your house, of your school, of your workplace that are completely lost that don't know Jesus. And I'm telling you that what this world needs is a church just like Crossroads with people just like you that are not just mobilized, but mobilized with the Holy Spirit's power. That is what's needed. And let me tell you why by showing you a little example. Previously, we find Peter uh, putting his foot in his mouth, denying Jesus at the time of Jesus' arrest, Peter denies Christ three times. And now all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 2 particularly, it says in verse 14 that Peter, he stands up with the 11 because they had replaced Judas. They stand up with the 11 and he raises his voice and he addresses the crowd. This is the same Peter who not too much earlier was denying Jesus because he was afraid of what was going to happen. Now all of a sudden, Peter, with great boldness, stands up and addresses the masses of people. What's the difference? It's the same Peter. Time frame, time frame, it's not much later. It's not like he had years and years to think about. This is just a short time later. Let me tell you what the big difference is. The big difference is that this is a Peter that is now filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us as believers to give us that boldness to speak, to give us that boldness to be mobilized, to give us that boldness to stand up and to say and to speak and to share the wonderful, beautiful things of Jesus. So what this world needs is not just a church. And it's really not just a church that's mobilized because you can be mobilized and you can just do good things like we do. Like we can do good things. We can, we can feed the hungry. You know, we can take care of the homeless. We can take care of the widows. We can do all the things that, that we're called to do and we should be doing. We can also be mobilized with the Holy Spirit's power. And I'm just telling you, when you allow the Holy Spirit to power you, and listen, when you, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, He gives you that Holy Spirit. So it's not like we don't have the Holy Spirit. It's not like it's so foreign to us. We just got to allow the Holy Spirit to operate through power. And so this early church is operating through the Holy Spirit power. And it caused them to, to leave where they were and to go out into the streets. And as they go out into the streets, what we're going to notice as we start reading 
in Acts 2.42 is that the, the church just explodes. That we see the world of them turning upside down. That miracles happen. Salvation is happening. Fellowship is happening. Connection. And yes, persecution is happening. I think one of the reasons why those disciples were so willing to put their, even their own lives on the line was because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So my prayer for you is that you and I, that we would not just be a church, but that we would be the church and be the church that is mobilized, that is moving in power. So the next thing that the world needs, quite honestly, the second thing the world needs is a church that is devoted to sound doctrine and fellowship. And here's really why. Listen, you can be mobilized with the Holy Spirit's power and you can get real off in what you think and believe. We see this happen all the time. It is so important. And, we, and listen, we follow, we're just following what the early church did. Now listen, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with power. But, but watch what this early church does. I think it's so important. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, let's go ahead and look there. It says this, it says they devoted, this is the people who were just empowered, all those people, all the people that are getting saved. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They also devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and the prayer. So let's just put that together real quickly. So, so this is now after Peter addresses the crowd and thousands, I mean, thousands of people are added to the church that day. There are thousands of people being added and they're looking around going, what do we do with all these people? They've never been to seminary. They went to church planning school. They didn't know how to do that. So what they did is they simply found themselves devoting themselves to sound teaching, to sound doctrine, to fellowship and to prayer. What a great thing that this world needs. This world needs you and I, a church that actually knows why we believe what we believe. Listen, one of the things that I've loved about reading through the scripture this year, and if you didn't do it, I encourage you, sometimes, some way, just find yourself and walk through the Bible. Start with Genesis, just walk through it. The understanding of who God is, whether you want to call that theology or you want to look at the doctrine of the church, is so critical because it's so helpful for you and I to actually know why we believe what we believe especially those of you right now that are, that are teenagers, those of you right now that are, that are students, those that are going off to university, those that might be in university. So one of the greatest things you can do is get rooted in why you believe in God. Not just because a parent told you or a church told you, not just because you had emotions and you felt goosebumps one night and thought that that was God, but truly, what is it about God? Why do you believe what you believe? and get grounded in that. One of the things I love about this church, because listen, there's a lot of ways that this could go wrong, is the sound doctrine and theology of this church. That we look at scripture and we say, this is what the Bible says and this is what we believe. And to understand that. And I'm just telling you that what this world needs is, is you to be sure that you know who you are. Because if you don't, otherwise what happens is that the world is gonna dictate that for you. And you'll be easily tossed and influenced in many, many ways. And listen, we're, we're seeing it right now because right now, the word of God, the Bible is being so challenged in so many ways. Listen, I'm not even gonna mention, there, there, you, we, can, we can list a, a page full of ways right now 
that this culture and this world are challenging God's word. And that is the tactic of the enemy. If all the enemy can do is just get you to doubt. Remember, we talked about it from the very beginning in Genesis. All the enemy had to do was whisper in Adam and Eve's ear, did God really tell you this? It's the same thing today. And if you and I aren't rooted, meaning we got to get into the word of God. There's no way around that. Reading scripture, applying it to our life, understanding it. Put yourself in a setting and in a situation of a small group or a class or in a church like this where you are getting sound doctrine and sound theology because that is going to help you now when the world comes like they are right now. And they're saying, no, 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 well, you know, I know the Bible says this, but ah, we're, we really don't believe that. And so we're not going to follow that. Or the world is challenging what we believe. And they're challenging beliefs in, in all areas of our life as Christians and followers. And if we're not grounded in what Scripture says, grounded in our own personal belief in God, and knowing what does the Bible say about moral issues? What does the Bible say about injustices? What does the Bible say about unity and oneness? What does the Bible say about how we're supposed to treat one another? What does the Bible say about speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves and how do we take care of, of our community? See, the Bible addresses all of those things. One of the greatest things that this world needs is you and I grounded in what we believe. They also devoted themselves to the fellowship and, and this is a word, I love this word. It's, it's a Greek word called koinonia and this word koinonia, it has the idea of association and communion with one another, of real fellowship and participation, but it also means this. It means that they shared in something common. There is something common that this world needs to see from the church. There's something common that you and I, this common ground, and this is what's beautiful. We can come from all different backgrounds. This is why we can still have fellowship and still come in from all different backgrounds, all different cultural experiences, all different parts of the country and the world, all different structures and beliefs, and we can come together and be unified under who Jesus is and have fellowship and common ground in that in order to share together in that. See, the Christian life is meant to be full of fellowship. It really is. It's not meant to be left, uh, done alone. It's not meant to not be shared. We're, we are here to share in the importance of this. This is why it is so important to us, especially over this last several months with coronavirus. It has been so important to me as your pastor to make sure that you are connected. So important because we're not meant to do life alone. I know that there are some of you even right now that you're still staying at home, you're still not back out into the community and, and everybody's doing it at their own pace. And sometimes it can get lonely. Listen, we're not meant to do life alone. I wanna encourage you to get connected. And you can even get connected right now, whether you're back at the building or back in a program or if you're still at home. And I'm gonna put a little plug and I know we talk about it all the time, but quite honestly, if you're looking for a way to get connected, let me help you. Crossroads.org slash connect. Real simple crosswords.org slash connect. Give us your information and I guarantee you somebody's gonna reach out to you. We want you to be connected. Be connected to other believers to encourage one another in what we are and what we believe. The third thing that the world needs that is so important that this world needs a church that absolutely believes in the power of God and miracles. Listen, I, I believe that we serve a God that still does miracles. I believe in a God that still heals 
that still sets people free, that still reunites people, that reconciles people, that still forgives, that still delivers, that sets us free from all sorts of things, that this is the God that we serve. I believe that. And I believe that God can heal you today. And I'm just telling you, there's something powerful when you and I believe that God is the God of miracles, that he is a wonderful miracle-working God, that this God of the universe, that not only created the universe, but also created you, that rose from the dead, that knows us by name, that this God that is for us and not against us, that has victory for us, that this God can do powerful things. In Acts 2.43, it says it this way. It says that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. I love that statement. Everybody was filled with awe. Because again, a church that was mobilized, left, devoted themselves to teaching, sound doctrine, but they also went out into the streets, went into the workplaces, went into homes, and saw God do absolutely amazing things in them and through them. And people were in awe. People started hearing about it. You know, at times I wonder if perhaps we don't see signs and wonders. Perhaps we don't see the power of God is because you and I aren't willing to say in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. In the name of Jesus, be healed in your relationships, physically, financially. I just wonder if we don't see miracles and signs and wonders because the church is not really mobilized. And if we're not really mobilized, then we're not out in the world where people actually need signs and wonders and miracles. And then when we are, we just kind of blend in. And so when we see a need, are we willing to walk up and say, hey, in the name of Jesus, be healed from that sickness. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, let your finances make that job happen. In Jesus' name, I mean, I just wonder if we don't see that miracles, those signs and wonders, because we're just not confident enough, maybe in our own faith, to go out there and say, in Jesus' name. So again, just imagine with me, if we would, if we would imagine, if you would, a church that's mobilized, that was bold enough to say, you know, I still believe in the God of miracles. And maybe you're watching right now and you need a miracle in your life. Let me just tell you, in Jesus' name, I pray that that happens. In fact, right now, I would just encourage you right now, wherever you are, whether here at the building or watching online, wherever you are, if you have a need, you can just right now, just claim Jesus' name over that need. Let's let Jesus heal you right now, your bodies. Heal you emotionally and spiritually and mentally. Let Jesus provide that job for you, those finances. Let Jesus provide whatever it is that you need, but we got to believe that that's going to happen. You know, Scripture says that we can pray for more faith. And I think right now, we as Christians, as churches, as people, maybe the first prayer needs to be, God, give me the faith. God, increase my faith to believe in a God that still does miracles. I believe in that. Because it's the evidence of God's power. See, to see miracles happen is not, is not wow, look at, look at that person or look at that church. No, it's, it's look at the evidence of God's power because we want people to put their attention on God, not on me, not on our church, not on you, but on God. And here's the thing. I pray that you and I never lose the awe of what God can do. May we never lose sight of the awe of a wonderful, miracle-working 
God. And the fourth and final thing that this world needs, the fourth and final thing is that this world needs a church that actually practices generosity and oneness. So not just a church that's mobilized with this power, not just a church that is with sound doctrine and theology and practice, not just a church that believes in the power and the miracle working God, but also a church that actually practices generosity and oneness. I think if you would ask me what is one of the things that, that most summarizes and marks the early church, it is their generosity and it's their unity. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 47, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Those last three verses or so paint the beautiful picture of a functioning, healthy church. They gathered together in a temple. They went to church. They actually gathered together and went to church. And I know right now, very hybrid model, right? Right now we can come together physically. We can come together online. There's something powerful about just coming together. So they came together. Then if you notice what they did, they had small groups. They went to people's homes. They ate together. They celebrated together. Oh, also, did you notice that they were doing community partnership outreaches? They were gathering up food items and clothing and material needs. And as people had needs, they gave those needs away. And they encouraged each other. They added to the number daily, those that were being saved. See, this world desperately needs to know and see how we can live in generous oneness together. Listen, imagine if a church could figure this out. And I'm so glad to be part of a church that I believe has and is on the right path of figuring this out. You and I, listen, our generosity matters. The way that you give absolutely matters. I know we talk about it weekly because it's part of what we do, but I also want to encourage you with this. The way that you give financially or the way that you donate items to the thrift store or to places like Note in a Pocket the way that you are generous with your neighbors, with your time, the way that you serve the community and the triangle, all of that matters. It all makes a difference. In our context here, the way that you give generously financially makes a huge impact in our church and in our community. It's not a new concept. The early church, they sold everything they had. They pulled it all together and they gave it away in order to reach the world around them. Our generosity in many, many ways matters. It's about seeing needs and filling needs. It's about you and I actively participating in generosity, not just with our money, but also with our time, also with our other resources, with our gifts and our talents, the way that we serve. All those ways matter. Ties, offerings, neighbors, community. See, generosity to me gives a path to fellowship. And when we're generous, did you notice there was two words in there? It says they did all this with sincere hearts. Generosity breaks down walls, breaks down barriers. When you and I are generous across the board, it allows us to do so with really sincere hearts. 
It allows us to open up our hands to give so that we can also receive. Listen, generosity, it changes lives. You are changed as well as the church and the community. I told you this before, one of the things that I think when we do, we are most like God, it is in our generosity. See, the church also is not meant to worship God and learn his word by ourselves. Church is meant to come together, not just by ourselves, not just isolated, but to worship God and come together. Yet it's also meant to do more. God wants us to share our lives with each other. That's why connection and small group, being part of a class or a group or a team. And yes, right now, whether you're here in person or online, you can still get connected in all those ways. Because the Christian experience, listen, the Christian experience in the early church, it was daily. Every day they were getting together. It was joyful and it was simple. And I know times change, cultures change, things are different. But the Christian experience is still meant to be daily, to be joyful, and to be generous, and also to be one. This early church, you notice it said they had everything in common. Now, how's that possible when people, thousands of people from all over are coming to know Jesus and coming to the faith? Well, they were common under one person. See, again, what this world needs is a church to show them, despite our differences, despite what we might say or believe outside of the walls of this church, despite where we are politically, where we are education-wise, where we are social, economically, that we can still come together and we can still have oneness because it's oneness under Jesus. We put Jesus first, we put his kingdom first, and you and I, we line up under that. Now, we might not line up in all these other areas. We might not line up in our upbringing or our culture. We might not line up in how we look or what we believe even at times or, or who we vote for, and on and on it goes. But we can certainly line up. Perhaps you've asked yourself this question. Are you running the business or is the business running you? How might your teams grow if your teams were driving the business forward instead of you? you are sitting on a wealth of untapped opportunity. It takes courage to learn how to create a culture where your people are truly empowered to own their seats. My name's Cheryl Scanlon, business and executive coach. Working together, we'll go straight to your core challenges to sort through competing demands and realign to your highest priorities for measurable results. Visit c3advantage.net. That's c3advantage.net. As always, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We really do appreciate you listening in. And don't forget, for previous episodes, go to crossroads.org slash radio. And hey, Merry Christmas. Make sure you plug in at a church. And if you don't have a church, check out Crossroads Fellowship. And I do hope that this program was beneficial and helped you today. And we will see you all again next Saturday at noon right here on the Truth Network.